Hello, and welcome to Nice Jewish Fangirls, presented by JewishCoffeeHouse.com. Nice Jewish Fangirls is a podcast where three Orthodox women discuss all of the things that we are obsessed with. My name is Michal Schick, and I am your host, and I am joined by Tamar Herman. Hello. And SM Rosenberg. Hi. So today we have a really cool interview that is going to be coming later on. That will be our main segment. Uh, I'm sure it's not a secret since it'll be in the show notes who it is, but I'm psyched about it, so I'm going to leave it a secret for now. Uh, and before, before, as always, before we get to our main segment, we're going to do our current obsessions. So, SM, why don't you get us started? Okay. So I've recently started rewatching Deep Space Nine. Um, I'm not that far into it. I'm like, I don't know, early season two. I mean, I guess that's pretty far considering that I only started rewatching like a week or two ago. But um, I've been skipping some episodes that I just remember from the first season, which is not the first season is not a very strong season. Um, But if you ever do start Deep Space Nine, I would recommend like maybe watch the pilot. But, you know, are kind of after the pilot skip straight to the episode called Duet. That is like the best example in the first season of what this show can can do and what it has to offer. Um, um, question, what yes. is Deep Space Nine? Okay. Um, Deep Space Nine is Star Trek. Um, but is it, it the one is... with Will Wheaton? No, Will Wheaton is the one in, uh, he's in Star Trek The Next Generation. Okay, so I should go backtrack and just, like, give an overview of Star Trek now? No, 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 okay. that's fine, actually. <laughs> you can just <laughs> read the synopsis. I'm sure most people know what you're talking about. So Deep Space Nine, it takes place in the Star Trek universe, um, but it's not on a spaceship. It's the only one that isn't on a spaceship. All of the other ones are on, you know, the Starship Enterprise or uh, the Starship Voyager. Um, and... It's centered, it's centered on a space station that is right by a planet um, called Bajor, which had, has recently thrown, off, uh, thrown out an uh, alien race called the Cardassians. Not to be confused with the Cardassians. <laughs> These came first. Um, they're like a reptilian, kind of like super prosthetic, really cool uh, makeup design, but um, a lot of them are very evil. But um, not all of them, as one of the big points you know in the uh you know in the show is that racism is bad um because the space station isn't run by bajor the space station is run by the uh united federation of planets which is the big you know huge alliance government um that uh you know all the other starships that we've followed in all the other series all those belong to the federation um, and so they are in charge of the station. You should watch the show, and um, and you should keep a special eye out for Major Kira because I love her and she's awesome. Awesome, yeah, that's really really cool. I mean, I you know haven't seen any Star Trek TV shows, but I am looking forward to kind of hopping on the bandwagon with um, gosh darn it, what's it called? Uh, the new one. Discovery? Oh, Discovery. Discovery. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to checking that out. I probably won't understand any of it, but yeah. Consciously optimistic about Discovery. Yeah. It looks looks really cool. Um, So, Tamar, what is your current obsession? So, yeah. So, my obsession isn't a recent obsession. It just happens to be that today is the 10th anniversary of one of my favorite K-pop groups. (laughs) Um, So, uh, most K-pop groups do not last until their 10th anniversary, for a variety of reasons, mostly that the contracts 
in Korea legally are usually seven years um, to avoid slave contracts that enslave singers for their entire lives to certain entertainment labels. So anyway, so 10 years are really hard to come to, but I was like walking home tonight. Oh, I should probably say this. So it's Girls' Generation's 10th anniversary. They're literally the biggest girl group that you've never heard of. They've outsold Fifth Harmony. They've outsold, like, the only girl group I think in the world they haven't outsold for Spice Girls, but I think their concerts have outsold Spice Girls. Um, just because concerts nowadays make more money than concerts did when the Spice Girls were a big thing. So they're really, really big deal. Um, they won, like, the, they had the most viewed YouTube video music video in 2013 that was a great song i got a boy listen to it um <laughs> uh, so i i'm more obsessed i'm like really excited for their anniversary i really hope the music that they put out is good they're releasing a new album later this week and i'm really really excited uh i don't know if by the time this is published if something will have happened but i'm working on something exciting about them uh oh yeah actually two exciting things i just have to do one and i'm waiting on something for the other one so Yay. Uh, but I just realized as I was walking home that more excited than uh, that I am, uh, as excited as I am about the new album and like they're reaching their 10th year, uh, I'm really excited because I realized that so far all my favorite K-pop bands have been, have surpassed their 10th year mark. Uh, so that means that if I think you're a good band, you are actually a good band that's able to stay together for a long time. So I'm waiting on one more to find out if they renew their their contracts this summer and if that's the case because they're at their seventh year then if they sign it again for another three years then they will also reach their tenth year hopefully um like i'm really like being blee and hara i've cried over it you guys have no idea um Aww. so it's been really bad uh so i'm really really hoping that i'm really excited about the fact that like i've stand groups that hit their 10 year mark which like i know is silly but i feel like the only way i can describe it for people who don't aren't music fans it's like being in love with a TV show that like other people like but whatever and then eventually love for them dwindles off but people are still like oh that was a good show is it still on and then it gets cancelled versus the show that's on for like 14 seasons or whatever like I just saw that the middle was cancelled I didn't know that show was still on but so pretty much that's like what this is it's like me getting to 10 year mark is like something crazily big and I'm just like super super happy about it and the fact that I have good taste really excites me Aw, the proof is in the pudding. I guess not good taste as much as, like, my bandmates actually like one another instead of the ones who, like, hate each other and never talk to each other again at the end of their contracts. <laughs> not that that has ever happened in K-pop. Oh, or no. Or any other band. No. So, yeah, so... Famously, Girls the Gener Beatles are still going. <laughs> I just read an article about the... Well, whatever. About the Chinese <laughs> Beatles, and then the point that I had ended up saying was, like, well, they're not really like the Beatles because they actually like each other still after 20 years. <laughs> Okay, Michelle, what about you? Well, so my current obsession is a little bit weird, I will totally ad admit right off the bat, but um, I got back from San Diego Comic-Con, uh, wow, like almost two weeks ago already, um, and my Comic-Con experience, as it has been for the past four years, was kind of made possible, at least in large part, by the Chabad of downtown San Diego. Uh, if you uh, aren't of the tribe and don't know what Chabad is, they are a Hasidish group who have, um, they kind of have outposts all around the world and they become kind of the, uh, the place for Jewish life. You know, they have a very specific ideology that not all religious Jews share, but they're, they're very opening and uh, 
welcoming and open um, and very nice uh, people generally. Um, I've I've had I've enjoyed the hospitality of Chabad in a couple different countries at this point. But so the pa- for the past four years, I've been going for Shabbos meals of Comic Con to uh, the Chabad of downtown San Diego, and it's it's kind of crazy because at this point, it's it's like I know them. Um, and they know me, and I, like, kind of know the people in the very small community, but I only know them for one shop, two meals a year. <laughs> That's it. Um, and it's it's a really kind of interesting experience to, you know, get close and be reliant on people, really, uh, in that way, and, and have them really make your... Um, you know, my my professional experience, something that I'm comfortable with on a religious level as well. Uh, and and yet we kind of only intersect once a year. Um, so I, I just really appreciate everything um, that they do. Uh, Rabbi and Rabbi Karlbach and also Diane who made the food and who made uh, me dinner for most of the nights that I was there actually because they offered that this year. And so I did not have to eat, uh, you know, freeze-dried kosher heated up microwave food, um, which was a really, really nice. <laughs> like after a long day at Comic-Con, it's like, oh, I have human food. This is wonderful. Uh, yeah, but that is, you know, I-, I think like Tamar and I were actually discussing how it's really challenging to be in this career, to be, you know, in entertainment and reporting and creative fields in general and be religious and a religious Jew, particularly with our restrictions. And when you find something that really helps you become comfortable, um, it's really, really special. So I want to give my uh, Hakara Satov, which is my Beis Yaakov way of saying gratitude in Hebrew. <laughs> yeah. So that's it for our current obsessions this time. Next is our main segment, and we are going to be interviewing the wonderful Lital Platt, who, if you haven't heard of her, you have probably seen her work if you're in the, like, lady geek circles. Lital was the audience choice winner of the 2015 Her Universe Fashion Con- uh, Fashion Show Contest. And with an amazing, amazing dress that I uh, am not in the fandom of, so I'm going to shoot over to Tamar, who can explain it way better than I can. Uh, so I'm like in and out of the Sailor Moon fandom, but pretty much um, the runway model was wearing a school uniform that was very reminiscent of what Sailor Moon's character Usagi wears in the series. And suddenly she dropped the skirt and threw off the jacket and it turned into a flowing pink dress that's uh, reminiscent of uh, the transformation sequence in Sailor Moon. So it was pretty cool. And I think I, th- I think it, pretty, it definitely went viral. Like I was seeing it not just in geek circles, but it like... On, on like Teen Vogue and it's everywhere. Made into a gif. It's been yeah. made into a gif. And yes, I, multiple I, times. I was so happy because I was like, I was there. I was there. I saw that happen. <laughs> oh, cool. Was it as cool as it looked? It was. I mean, I was. I think that year I was taking pictures and I was like, so I was both kind of trying to remember what was going on for an article and also taking photos. And then uh, I realized that I have, I do not have photo skills um, and should stick to writing. (laughs) So, so I went that way. But uh, yeah, no, it was, it was really cool to see. And the audience reaction was amazing. Um, And because of her uh, winning dress, Lital got to design part of the, uh, I, I believe it was the first, like, maybe it wasn't the first, but it was one of the, like, primary uh, collections between her universe and Hot Topic. Um, 
her universe obviously being a uh, geek fashion line created by Ashley Eckstein, and Hot Topic being the place that you really wanted to shop in when you were 17 and uh, actually still kind of do. Um, so uh, yeah, um, and she she participated in the Star Wars line for The Force Awakens, which was hugely popular and is utterly beautiful. I don't think I own any of the pieces myself because I was like eyeing many of them and like, oh, I don't know if I can pull the trigger, but uh, yeah, they are still really, um, they're wonderful. They're beautiful pieces and there's like a BB-8 dress and it's amazing. So we are now joined by Lital. Uh, Lital, first question, um, just tell us about yourself. What's your background? How did you get into design and fandom and the intersection therein? Um, I am, I actually started out in film, in the film industry. I uh, was, uh, always wanted to make movies and I went to school in New York for film production and I went to college for film production and um, then I moved to LA to work in the film industry. After working for a couple of years in Hollywood, I started to sew uh, just as a hobby because I needed something something other than Netflix to do. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I found that I liked it so much that after a year, it was all I was doing and decided that um, I was going to take a plunge and pursue it professionally. So went back to school and did that and it started a whole new career and that's how that started. But um, the geek thing never went away. It was how I started and how I still have like a deep connection to it even though I moved into the fashion and the high fashion world so it still really matters to me to not kind of forget the roots you know how it is so awesome. regardless of anything uh so like you said that like you're like keep the geek with you but uh how did you get into fandom originally like were you always like one of those little geeky kids how did you start it was um it was with people I I just really loved my friends who went to cons I loved going to Comic Con and you know to develop such a um, relationship with people attending and with the properties that I loved you know the panels the the, the, the merchandise the good the good times so it's just like it mattered a lot that's how it mattered a lot to me it gave, gave me a community of sorts um, and that's where that even though I like don't have the time to really watch movies anymore <laughs> I still have the favorites that I grew up with that are my favorites so I stay or, loyal to those can you tell us what some were oh the, like Star Wars the big one um, yeah. but, <laughs> and of course Netflix has created an entire resurgence of falling in love with TV again so like I never watched Star Trek growing up and I'm a huge Star Trek fan because <laughs> the best sewing companion. Um, and um, a fire, uh, like Firefly was a big fan of that. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I had the big ones, honestly. I wasn't a comics girl, I was a movies girl. So it was mostly about movies and TV. You know? I think, I think we are all more or less like that, the three of us. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I very much, like, I'm, I'm into the, uh, the film adaptations and TV adaptations of comic properties but uh, it still hasn't really crossed over into reading the comics i don't know not sure why I, for me it's just i know it's always a time issue i, I never have time to sit and read but i can watch nowadays i don't have time to sit and read but i can watch a movie 
for a show, I can binge it while I'm working. Yeah, that's the best, the best way to catch up on that work. But I definitely am behind. I won't lie. <laughs> I was actually wondering, uh, so what was your, like, first fandom design that you made? Um, first one was probably when I first started sewing, I immediately thought, like, to do cosplay because I always was interested in what my... Well, I actually had a lot of friends that cosplayed, but... Um, or I really loved the cosplay at Comic-Con, which I was already attending, but wasn't really involved in it. Um, but once I started sewing, then the world opened up to me. Then it was like, oh, you can you can do this too. But um, I'm not much of an exhibitionist. You know, I'm, I don't, I'm not an actress or anything. I find much more interest in the craft than in the LARP, LARP style at, um, uh, you know, hobbies of, of, uh, of cosplay. So I just liked making, I enjoyed making clothes. And so the first thing I made were, you know, the clothes that I like to see. And that was, oh, the fandom that I left off with Battlestar Galactica was my big uh, one. Um, and I was obsessed with the uniforms of Battlestar Galactica. And I was, but, um, yeah, I tried to make a, like a commander's, the admiral's uniform was my first thing. So it was definitely the first piece that inspired me to do the, um, Geek Chic brand that I tried to start. Um, it was, it was one of the first pieces I made that I really cared a lot about <laughs> so yeah <laughs> oh that's so cool so like right away like your kind of interests intertwined and it was like a feasible right away, yeah right away it was about making clothes make like about sewing things for not for cosplay but just making the costumes that were more like clothes like I, I didn't go to armor or the fabrication that most cosplayers go to. I immediately went straight to making the clothes versions of costumes that I loved. Yeah. Um, so how did you get into the her unit her universe fashion show? Like clearly you had been deciding to like pursue this as a career, but how did you get involved into that and what was it like to win with your fabulous transformation outfit? Um, thank you. Um the I, I heard of the Her Universe Fashion Show a while back. Um, like I had always, like I said, I always attended Comic Con, but I was already making, preferring to make the clothes that were more wearable. That I saw, um, I was I had like all the Disney princesses on my list and things like that that I was going to do. You know, the, the the wearable clothes or the gowns versions of things, and um, I was already making dresses from that was in fashion school. I had done a year in Paris and like had training like a little bit of like was inspired to do more on the couture side of things. Um, so when I heard about the Hariner's Fast Show it was exactly like the type of thing that I wanted. It was I was already thinking I wish I could do um, geeky gowns basically and when I, I knew of Ashley's company I actually remember first going to the her the first her universe booth back in like it was like 2010 or something like that and buying a Battlestar Galactica shirt and some like Rebel Alliance earrings or something and being so excited that there was a brand for geeky girls 
like when they first appeared and like no one knew who they were. Um, but when they did the the fashion show, it was just it was such an exciting time because I was like, that's exactly it. This is exactly what we need. And I made the Dalek wedding dress in the first year, um, and it was pretty neat because I didn't expect anything of it. Like I expected. I mean, I, I hired a model and I like put a ton of effort into my dress knowing that it was going to go before an audience, but I had a good time doing it. I didn't put any expectations on the first show because I, we had no idea if it was going to be like, you know, a choir stage in a, you know, in a little ballroom or something like that, you know, in a conference room, who knows, you know, we, I, I had no idea what to expect. So... I kind of like expected the worst and just to have a good time and then we got there and got to the Hyatt and it was beautiful and it was a huge stage and it was a you know 50 foot runway and it was uh, phenomenal and Ashley and the whole her universe team did an amazing job and there was absolutely no reason not to come back again and again as long as they kept it up to kept it to its like production quality that we were all proud of something that we would all be proud of to participate so I'm still a big fan of the show ever since, so I'm just really glad of what Ashley's done with it, you know? Amazing. Um, and <laughs> and uh, you had, like, particularly... You had a dress that caught a lot of people's eyes, and the dress's transformation has been, like... It went viral and it's been a, become a famous gif. Like, how do you feel about that? Uh, I think it's it's so cool, because that's the best thing for that dress, is to become a gif, or a gif, whatever you can say. Um, so <laughs> that's the best thing for it. <laughs> like it, it shows what the dress was meant to do, you know, which doesn't appear in a photograph. If I were to photograph the dress, it doesn't sh show what, you know, the transform on there, which is a, a shame. So I'm so glad that the Jeff was popular. Um, and it was a crazy day actually, because that day I was, I had the opportunity to show that fall in um, the upcoming fall in New York at New York Fashion Week, and I was required to attend a fitting in New York, and it happened to be the the day of the show. Oh, and both of these oof. were set. Yeah, I was living in LA, and both of these events, the Her Universe show in San Diego and my fitting for New York Fashion Week in New York were both set for the same day, but like three months in advance. So both of them were like, These, this is a date that does not change, no matter what. No. And I know, three months in advance, they're like, we both picked the same date, three months in advance. I'm like, really, really, are you? Th and I did not want to sacrifice either of them, either of them, I ended up making both because, oh. of, because of the time difference between the West Coast and the East Coast. So. I actually uh, went, did the dress rehearsal in San Diego, and then immediately, and then left the ballroom. That after the dress rehearsal, went to the um, went to the airport and took a red eye, flew to New York, did the fitting in the morning, and then went directly from the fitting back to the airport and flew back. And because of a delay in Detroit, which is the only flight that I could get, was a connection flight. I ended up running into the ballroom about five minutes before my model walked the runway. So it was like a super close call. <laughs> like I had a, I had the, I did a, 
in during the judging, which is a time that we like, you know, you talk to the judges and you present your design and you kind of pitch it to them. Um, I wasn't going to be there. I knew I was going to be in the air. So I had an assistant like prep everything backstage that entire day and she held an iPad like with a video of me talking about the dress (laughs) (laughs) you know for the judging it was like it was absolutely crazy and and then we ended up winning which but uh yeah it was absolutely nuts so with all that to be and then of course the dress took about a month to make it was a full time because there's all of the you know there's no the only fabric in that is like the the jacket, but also and the mesh, the clear mesh. Everything else is applique on, like um, the, the feathers. It's not like a feather feather fabric. It's everything's feather applique on. So it took a really the, the ribbons are applique on. It took a really long time. So um, yeah, I'm just really glad that it had a life. A continuing life beyond just that show. Has you know? has anyone ever tried to wear it like and do the change in real life, not on the runway? I don't think it's been worn since the show. In a couple of years now, yeah, I actually have it. I will take it out for a shoot very soon. Oh, cool. Um, it has not been documented, so like we don't have any. I don't have any like pictures of it. Oh wow! Right. Well, you have a lot the of runway. You have the you yeah. Have the gifts. I yeah, I don't have any pictures of it other than the runway. So um, since the runway, so we got to take some neato photos of it with like a, in the wind or something. Like that. That'd be so cool. I think it's. I think I'm the only Sailor Moon fan out of the three of us. And like when I saw it the first time, I was like, oh my gosh, it's like mid transformation. That's so cool. Just like the ribbons <laughs> it's, and stuff. It's so funny because, like, uh, I mean, I didn't, I don't like to go gimmicky. But after the first year with Andrew McLean doing the Regina's curse dress, which is phenomenal, you know, um, like, I just knew I didn't mean to do a. I didn't go out there trying to be, I didn't submit trying to do a transformation look. It was entirely just like I drew the dress first, not the opener. Mm-hmm. And um, it initially did not have a jacket. It was going to be like a shawl, like it was like the, the sailor shawl that held the ribbons in. But it ended up being a two piece because of the you know design changes um, because of the technical process. But I drew the dress first, and it was just a nice dress. And But because it was specifically the transformation art, you know, as someone who has seen Sailor Moon, you know, it, it's like, you know, as, as having seen, you know, whoever, which one, whichever one of you has seen Sailor Moon. <laughs> it's Tamar. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know that if the dress is of the ribbons, it's not like the Sailor Scout uniform. No. The dress is of the ribbons and the, the feathers. It's like... A specific, specifically targeting the transformation. So, so there's no way that that element could be the dress if it wasn't going to change. You know, it's like embedded in the story of the design. So it wasn't a gimmick. It wasn't just like, oh, look, it's two pieces in one. It was like, it was almost like if it was, if it didn't transform, then it would be a disappointment. You know? Yeah, it would be incomplete. 
it would be incomplete. And uh, I mean, I never really wanted to do a transformation. It was going to be so much work. I was like really worried when I first, when they picked that one, I was like, oh God, how am I going to do this? You know? <laughs> <laughs> but like since then, a lot of people, there seems to be a full attitude that like, there has to be a transformation element in order to win the audience award or to oh, like no. really well has to transform. And that's not necessarily true. Like it is a gimmick if, unless it's inherently involved in the concept that plays so much better as a transformation than a dress that just happens to be modular. You know what I mean? So, yeah. That's one reason why the dress works so well as a transformation, even though it's not a very complicated transformation at all. We've seen it multiple times, and so I've actually story. I was uh, I was in the audience, and I get you know I, I not being a Sailor Moon fan, but still like seeing the change and and hearing the audience's reaction. It was like it was such a high moment. I don't think anybody was surprised, honestly. When you I'm went, backstage, it was... and. We don't have video from the sh well. We have video, but we don't have like a video of the show. So I just have memories from being backstage. It sounded like it went off pretty well, obviously. Oh, but yeah. of course <laughs> I'm like, the per I'm like the perfectionist. That's like, oh god, it's not like it's this corner of the dress is folded up, and you know, <laughs> she opened it a little bit like a second too late, and I'm like always looking at those things, and it's like, no, it's fine. <laughs> 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 so, I'm glad that, to hear that, you know. So. Oh, yeah. Well, when you won, so you won the design contest, and so you got to design the Force Awakens line. Uh, what was that process like? So, it was, well, first of all, the opportunity was so amazing because I just graduated from, I had just graduated from FIDM in Los Angeles that summer. And um, I was about to enter the workforce. Actually, not, not, not really. I, I got a, was supposed to, but I got a scholarship to a school in Rome. So um, I was going to do another year of school, but I was mentally, you know, technically I had already, I just, I had finished school and was moving on from that. Um, and they gave me like my first work opportunity in the fashion world. There's just there to start off with. And it was, um, it was great timing, um, added to my portfolio, um, gave me like, it gives the, it gives you a glimpse into the manufacturing project process. Um, you know, and, um, what else? yeah, it was just so great working with everybody, not just to be at the hot topic offices and to see how they operate, but also to see, like I learned so much about what mass market means because having started off in Paris, um, my perspective of fashion was very, um, was very restricted. And you, you build things for one time use, right? Yeah. And, and also it's like a rich, you know, couture it's, yeah, it's for One, runway models and nobody else. Yeah. It's what we see, like, when we're sharing videos of, like, our dream dresses and stuff, you know. Regular, regular clothes you buy at the store, but that wasn't what I necessarily paid attention to at all, which is normal for a student, you know. When you're in school, you're not paying attention to the practicality of, like, well, how do people 
how does a business work? How does the money work? And um, which is the reality check that all students get when they start off in the fashion industry. Suddenly it's not all, you know, pretty dream dresses and, you know, unlimited budgets. You know, <laughs> suddenly. Oh, that's not what life is. <laughs> I know, surprise. Um, but I got that kind of eased into that um, with a lot of support from the Hot Topic crew where it was like there were a lot of limitations. There were a lot of things that they preferred over other things, but um, to work the design to still make it fit into their market, to fit into their stores and their merchandising and that everyone really liked include and, and also fit all the you know plus sizes as well, all the way up the line. Um, it was an eye-opening experience. And then, of course, seeing what succeeded and what didn't was also something to learn by as well. Um, so. Did you have any favorite designs from the overall collection? My, my, favorite is the, my, my favorite is the jacket, the Phasma jacket, which I'm so happy Phasma's back in the movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I have that. I saw the trailer. I showed up. I was like, "Oh yeah, my jacket's still relevant." Oh yeah. <laughs> I totally said in our jacket. intro that I was like, totally in our intro. I was like, "Oh, I I love the collection," and I didn't end up buying any of it. And then I remembered just now when you said that that I that is where my phasma jacket comes from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. I was so I was really proud of that jacket for the team that because like. I don't think so far any piece in any of the collections, including the Wonder Woman collection, has shown up on mainstream media, on like non-geek media. Mm -hmm. And um, that jacket was seventeen reported on that jacket awesome. in like a shock that it was. Good lord, a geeky jacket was possibly fashionable. <laughs> Heaven forbid. <laughs> Like so surprised. <laughs> it happens to be. I mean, it's it's. I I mean, I completely think that even more explicitly geek things should be acceptable to wear. I don't know why they're not, but um, it's a great like stealth geek piece because you can be like strutting down the street and you're like, I'm Captain Phasma, and everybody's like, Oh, cool jacket. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, I mean, you get back and forth. We get some people that want it to be more and some people that are fine with the way it is or prefer things to be less there were plenty of people that like i know you know came back to me with concerns that it was a collection to them seemed too costumey you know um and it goes to show that like you can't please you can't please everybody especially geeks everyone has their own personal <laughs> emotional things you know um so it gets really, really tricky. I found that geeks and, and fans are really sometimes, they can be your best assets, but they can also be very difficult to to give. Yeah. When when you give them, when you give nerds what they love, they love it. But, you know, which is great. Um, but sometimes it's hard to hit that button. It's very specific. Yeah, yeah, for so. sure. Um, so you, you said you're a Star Wars fan, so what was it like to, you know, not only be a fan when The Force Awakens came out, but to be a part of the way that fans, especially female fans, experienced The Force Awakens? That's what the experience taught me. The biggest lesson the experience taught me is 
the wonder of working for like a mass market, you know, and for working for lots of people, uh, not working for, but providing for lots of people. So when so many people were able to buy it, so many people in different income income um, groups were able to buy the jacket and wear it to all these different types of events, it really was so heartwarming. Like making making couture or making like designer is really fun. I get to do my my own vision as an artist or whatever, but um, most of the time it's on the runway and it's a 10 minute show and then it's, that's it. And then it just sits on a rack and it's picked up every once in a while. Um, since I haven't been, you know, in I'm not my cores and not in like, I don't have retail stores everywhere. You know, <laughs> I don't get that opportunity necessarily to see my clothes on people all that often but all I have to do with at that time like all I had to do was google uh, what's called like look up the hashtag for her universe when the, when it was released and everyone was wearing our clothes and it was there's something to be said for oh my god I've made someone's day better um, and you reach every when you reach many more people it, it means a lot and I think if you can do like hot hot does it very well they reach so many people and um but also do it with spirit and integrity um when i worked there i very much enjoyed my experience there and was really impressed so there it is possible to serve a lot of people like that and to be in every mall in america and to still have a good time doing it mm, that's awesome it was it's a big lesson for me personally So yeah, and and if you talk to any of the Wonder Woman girls, the girls that created the next collection, they they say the same thing. There's nothing. It teaches you so much because because we all obviously none of us are working for any big companies. We all do commissions and small things on the side, and it's obviously great when we see a friend or someone we or a client wearing what you made for them. Um, it's something entirely different going online and seeing hundreds of strangers loving your stuff as well. Mm. It's really neat. So it makes the, the prizes very valuable and very worth it. And um, it, it means a lot to win that prize. And I really hope that her universe continues to offer it because it really inspires new designers every year. And there's a lot of talent on it. So. We we definitely hope that they keep doing it also. And I just was wondering, like, as of late, do you have any recent favorite designs, geeky or otherwise, or any recent commissions that blew you away for imaginativeness? Oh, my own. Oh, well, I, um, I'm i actually working right now on a couple of things, both of, them, both of them Star Wars related. I'm doing an embroidered project on my Instagram. I'm actually making it into, like, an Instagram yeah, I've been watching it, actually. Um, yeah, which was so big when I first initially started that. I was like, three weeks from Comic-Con, I'm like, this is this is not happening for Comic-Con. <laughs> <laughs> but I kind of like, quietly put 2018. Yeah. 2018. Not really, Comic-Con. I'm giving it to next Comic-Con, because initially... It wasn't Comic-Con, and then I 
New York Comic Con, and then I realized that was like that's like two months away. So <laughs> make it feel tight. So I'm working on a coat with huge embroidery that's like three feet tall and three feet wide or long or whatever and it's it's very extensive and it's um it'll probably be ready for i hope to debut it next year at um at san diego comic-con the next year's her universe fashion show um, wait but you but have to you have to tell everybody what it is because i'm just like i just pulled up a picture on my phone and it's so cool <laughs> It's a embroidery of, um, I spoke to Megan Laura, who's an artist, um, Art Deco, not Art Deco, sorry, Art Nouveau style interpretations of geeky properties, or not geeky properties, but um, fan, of fandoms, basically, of licensed properties, and um, they're absolutely beautiful, and I requested to use a tableau of Princess Leia that says Hope, and it's, uh, it's like I said, it's three feet long and covered in gold and jewels and sparkles and it's all being done by hand and it's big description because that's amazing. You said that um, that the transformation was something that you know you were nervous about because it's a big challenge. What's another challenge that you um, are you know nervous about taking on or looking forward to taking on? I guess right now I'm. Um... And now in the world before I am at, moved to New York in October and making a new network out here in fashion, which is, um, which, uh, which is, you know, the biggest challenge coming up is probably starting my line. I had that, I had a show at El Paseo Fashion Week with a new collection and I'm going to start calling up buyers and seeing if I can start a business out here. We'll see what happens, you know. But if you, I'll be continuing the fashion thing. If you follow my my Instagram or any of my social media, I am going to begin to release um, um, sales of my um, of some of the geeky clothing that I've made in the past, and going to start offering it to people to enjoy. So yeah. starting to open awesome. like. As we were going to ask you, where can we find you online so that we can follow all this stuff? I'm available at, uh, my Instagram is really active. It's lethal underscore weapon, L-E-E-T-A-L underscore weapon. Like uh-huh. weapon. Like little weapon. Uh-huh. Little <laughs> weapon. Um, so that, and there's also my Facebook page, which is Lethal Flat Designs. Um, cool. I'm gonna follow that right now. Cool. Fun. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We really, really appreciate this. Um, it's it's such a fascinating kind of uh, I don't know path to to design that you have, as as well as I don't know something that we all obviously love. And yeah, it's it's, it's strange because it's not a it's not a market per se. It's kind of just us loving to see. It's very. It's. I think it's much closer to art. It's a, like a art project, making geek couture, because it's just something you love and it's interpretation of things you love. But 
the odds that someone's actually going to buy a $5,000 gown to dress up like Sailor Moon at their wedding is not very high. (laughs) (laughs) But but everyone loves it online. So I make these dresses for fun, and I can't wait to make more of them. And I definitely will, simply because they're fun. Um, So I look forward to doing many more in the future, just as kind of a way to express the geeky side. That makes sense. Awesome. <laughs> Definitely. And I and I just want to have everyone who's like likes Lee Tall's uh, geeky stuff to also get to check out her other designs because I, for one, am in love with all the lace of your El Paseo collection. And I'm just like, I'd wear that and I'd wear that and I'd wear that. So I want everyone else to go check out her Instagram also because they're just so pretty. <laughs> Thank you. Hope oh, for people that are interested in geek fashion to not just do geek fashion just use that as a um, jumping off point but you don't have to stay limited to that you can do anything you want that's that's gonna do it for this week's episode of nice jewish fangirls um we you've heard where you can find Lital and uh sm where can people find you on the internet you can find me on facebook and on my amazon page uh for my fiction Awesome. And Tamar, how about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tamar Writes and my articles at Billboard.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Ink as Rain, and you can find my writing at Hypable.com, as well as maybe some other places. We'll see. I don't know. Maybe. Uh. I wonder. I wonder. <laughs> yeah. We all wonder. Um, you can also find, of course, the Nice Jewish Fangirls online on Twitter at Jewish Fangirls. You can find us on Facebook at Nice Jewish Fangirls. You can send us an email at NiceJewishFangirls at gmail.com. And a uh, shout out to Daniel Sanders Saunders, who wrote to us again, as well as Chava Horvitz. And thank you guys so much for your email. We really, really appreciate it. Anytime you guys want to ask us a question, shoot us an email. We are here. I mean, we're basically just at your beck and call all the time. Uh, You can, of course, also find us on iTunes, and we really, really appreciate any and all reviews or ratings that you would like to give us. Please, 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 please. Mostly iTunes reviews. Mostly iTunes reviews. Please. Yes. Please, guys. Please. (laughs) And also check out Jewish Coffee House. Yes, exactly. You could also find us at jewishcoffeehouse.com where there's a ton of amazing Jewish cultural and even just general uh, podcast content for your thirsty ears. Those Yes, make sure I, to subscribe can to thir- everything. Can thirsty ears be a thing? I, I just kind of... You mix all your metaphors and that. body parts. Yeah, okay. Well, anyway. <laughs> all right. So <laughs> we will be back soon. Thank you so much for listening. Live long and prosper, everyone. 